What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your NBA betting podcast. Best bets episode for Thursday, October 20th, as the NBA season rolls on. First Thursday night of the season. Wednesday was quite a roller coaster for me. Some pretty rough ones, some pretty good ones came out, I think, okay, as we're recording this around 1130 Eastern on Wednesday night. Joining me tonight for today's episode, Joe Delera from the Action Network. Joe how you doing, man? Dude, we're doing pretty good. Had a little 19 to 1 Zion parlay today. So starting the season off hot. Yeah, ch- check the app to see what Joe did because it is a master stroke and he's a genius. He had himself quite a day in the action app, getting off, get, getting way off to a great start here in the NBA season. Also joining us, Sean Little from MSG Network, sports betting analyst. Sean, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Thanks for having uh, me. I appreciate it. I'm I'm happy to be a part of the pod. And I, I went two for two for two myself to get the year started off. So I'm fired up. I did not go two for two, but I'm going to somehow scrape out a plus EV in a very Brandon Anderson type of way where I managed to hit <laughs> enough long shots to be able to go ahead and just scrape out a plus EV night, which, hey, the ROI is really what we're looking for here. A reminder that everything we talk about tonight can be found in the award-winning Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in on. You can catch our daily live show, Green Dot Daily which gives you the betting agenda for the day. We're at the Sports Equinox today. Great episode. You're going to want to check it out. We've got all of the sports, all of the professional sports you can bet on uh, over this weekend. going to be an absolutely great time, but you want to check it out and track all your bets in the Action Network app. All right. As we do every time that we do this show in the workshop, we're going to start. You guys are going to tell me what your best bets are. Then we'll go back and we'll dive in as I play devil's advocate to try and talk you out of them because that's how I roll. Joe, we'll start with you. What are your best bets for Thursday night? we got two games on the slate. we got Clippers-Lakers in the Lakers' home opener. Clippers as a favorite in that game. And we've got the Philadelphia 76ers hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. What are your best bets for Thursday night? So I've got the Philadelphia 76ers minus three and a half. I like it at minus four, two, because I think that's the way the market seems to be moving. I like Giannis over five and a half assists. And I like the Los Angeles Clippers minus five and a half. Okay. I think we're going to be in the same space on a lot of these, which there's no way that goes badly. Sean, what are your best bets for Thursday night? (laughs) LeBron James points under 29 and a half minus 110. And then that also ties into my second play, Lakers. Team total under 109 and a half. Fading the Lakers. Lakers tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Hard to feel like you're in a bad spot, given what they've shown in the first game and how their offseason has gone. Just real quickly, I've only got two plays. I got Sixers minus three. I think three and a half to four is fine. And I'm also on the Clippers minus four. So a lot of agreement here. We'll talk about how, when, and why. Joe, let's start with you on the Sixers game. So Philly was a popular side in the opener versus the Boston Celtics. The open is a four and a half point dog in the summer line that goes to six in some spots. I think it's all dragged all the way back down and it closes two and a half because everybody likes Philadelphia. And obviously then the 
Sixers pissed down their leg, turned the ball over a bunch. The Celtics played absolutely phenomenal. I was lucky enough to just, I just nibbled on the Sixers money line and I played the over and was managed to get, I was just happy to get out of that game alive was basically my take. Look, a big trend, and I, I wrote about this on Action Network, is home openers. Home openers are absolutely dynamite. It's a high motivational spot. So you got a team coming off of a loss in their home opener. There's no Chris Middleton for the for the Milwaukee Bucks. There's no Pat Connaughton for the Milwaukee Bucks. And this line, if we're going to adjust it, let's go ahead and give the Sixers two points, two and a half maybe for home for home court. If we just give them two. This is Sixers minus one on a neutral without mid and Connaughton. I don't understand that line at all. Why do you like the Sixers in this spot? Yeah, I'm with you with the Bucks injuries. I don't like the way that this team is kind of like coming into the season. And not that you want to take a lot from preseason, but you can take a lot from the fact that like they just didn't win. Like they look bad like in preseason. And not that that totally matters, but like this is a tough spot. Like it's tough to go on the road in Philly and win in that home opener. Like I think Philly has a pretty significant home court advantage uh, with their fans, with that energy in that arena. Plus like Philly just got punched in the mouth. They're going to come out strong. Like this is not like their first game of the season. Additionally, I think some of the things are going to be a little bit different for them. And one of those is James Harden. I saw the stat. He took like 500 plus dribbles in game one. The next closest on the 76ers was Tyrese Maxey. And he was about 140. I just think that that's going to change between game one and game two. Maybe have a little bit more ball movement, have the ball not stick as much and really force the issue with Joel and B to kind of get in there. Plus the Bucks don't have Al Horford. So I think that the, this is a good spot for Philly. I feel like they're a team that was designed to beat the Bucks. They match up pretty well. And I like this matchup for Embiid. I think he'll come out strong, especially after that relatively weak game one performance from him. So I like Philly in this spot and I'll trust him to defend home court and lay those points. Yeah, I also lean Philly. I I, I lean your your guys' way here. They had two uh, fast break points against Boston. That's an insane, like putrid, whatever, whatever <laughs> negative adjective you want to use. They averaged 14.6 last year at home, fast break points for Philly. I think they'll be able to get out in transition. And we know how badly Milwaukee defends the three-point. Oh, yeah. So they're going to give up a lot of a lot of chances. And if James can, you know, look anywhere close to what he looked like the other night, and Maxi can sh- – I mean, him, Harden, Tobias, and Maxi all shot the three pretty well. 100%. Milwaukee's going to be missing – Milwaukee's going to be missing guys. And if, and if they could put together a couple transition buckets and get some good looks from three, I also lean Philly here. Yeah, I think it's interesting. The matchup is, is – is curious just because I like Drew Holiday guarding James Harden. I like that mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. You know, the transition thing, I think, is an interesting question here because the take foul, there's been some discussion of whether or not the take foul thing. I was talking about this with our former colleague, Raheem Palmer and, and Brandon Anderson in, in a chat. And we were talking about how Harden is turnover prone, just in, and that's the nature of his game. Embiid, not necessarily as much. He had a lot of turnovers versus the Celtics because he can't handle a double team, but not every team is going to double him. So the question kind of is, can the Bucs get out and run enough? Because now if you can't play the the take foul, now you've got all these opportunities in transition to run it down their throat. Kind of the same way. That's kind of the risk. I think that's tougher at home, right? You're making more shots than you're able to get back on defense. Now, like the Sixers put up a great offensive number. In that in that game in that first game yeah they just couldn't get any stops because they were turning the ball over and, and the celtics were getting out in transition i guess here's here's a question joe is 
do you put this cat more on the Sixers offense or the Sixers defense to be able to get the edge here? I put it honestly a little bit more on the offense. Part of what I saw too in the first game was I saw a lot of missed shots. There were a lot of shots that looked relatively wide open that the Sixers were just missing. And I think maybe that's a little bit of nerves. There's still a lot of guys that are new on this team. And I think having that like game one under their belts at this point, kind of getting a feel for each other in real live action and not just in the preseason, I think is important. And the other thing that I, I'm concerned about in terms of Milwaukee's defense is it's like you said, there's no Chris Middleton. They're missing a couple other guys for Milwaukee. And I wonder to what extent can Drew Holiday and Giannis like really expend energy on the defensive side of the ball when they really are going to need to be the offense. Like Drew can't get in foul trouble. If he's in foul trouble, they are cooked. They're going to have nobody to bring up the ball. They're not going to have the same facilitating ability. So I could see them maybe laying off a little bit defensively to try to preserve themselves because they need to put forward some sort of offense. So if anything, maybe like I have a little bit of a lean towards the over, but I think that that favors the Sixers here. All right, so let's talk about the total real quick because it's 225. I may wind up just playing the over on this. My model based off of last season's numbers, not a lot of changes with these rosters. Sixers added former Rockets, essentially, the members of the 2021 Rockets team, but not like a massive differential here. And if we if, if that transition thing is going to be a problem for Philly, I think there's a, a reason it might be. Like my model factors in, half court and transition opportunities and breaks them down into what the projection is. I've got the, the bucks projected for 25 transition points in this game. Like that's where their number really kind of pops here. I've got this number projected way over now it's last season's numbers. I'm always a little bit hesitant, but I, Sean, I do kind of like the over here for if, if we're modeling it this way, if we're, if we're projecting it this way and we're saying Sixers offense should be able to get cleaner looks. They should be able like their offense look good in game one. Um, you know, Milwaukee's going to have to really work on these type of things. Then, Milwaukee still should be able to run a little bit. And Joe will come back to the, the prop in a sec. But I think I'm, from based off of this conversation, I'm moving towards betting the over as well on this game. Yeah, I mean, they should be able to play even better than they did in game one on offense at home. Like you said, I don't see why it has to be brought up at some point by Doc in between game one and game two that they literally, once Boston and those guys and Brown and Tatum, they were obviously unstoppable, but they got out and pushed it and scored a ton of fast break points, and we scored none. James needs to stop dribbling so much. Let Maxie get out and run out in front as well. I think they'll improve there, and that would be that would mean more buckets, which would also lean to the over. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a circular logic in this, which I'm always a little bit cautious about. I get nervous yeah. when we try and, like, fit too much. Because, like, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. like, all right, if team total is going to be, like, 114, and I'm like, well, maybe I should just play the Sixers team total over instead of the combined over. And it's like, well, I've already got the Sixers, so I could just keep with that. And if the Sixers put up 115, 118, are the Bucs going to be able to outscore them? It's possible because the Bucs do have a lot of shooters. But without mid and Connaughton, I think that gets a little bit dicey. I guess if Wes Matthews and, and Grayson, Grayson Allen. Grayson had yeah. tonight. So yeah, Lo- Joe, Lopez, I guess. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> we can't talk about like the, the higher kind of formula for the offense. Joe, why do you like the, the Giannis prop at five and a half? So Giannis actually hit this prop in 53% of games last season, just as a whole. But that number actually spiked when Middleton was out. He actually hit this in 12 of 19 games without Chris Middleton. So that's 63%. Um, I know that there's a lot of juice right now. It's at minus 150, but I still have about like a 20 cent edge in terms of implied probability there. So I like that prop. I think that this is going to be a high paced game. And that's something that I'm considering as well. 
And I think that Giannis is going to need to take on that type of facilitator role if they're going to throw like Embiid at him. They're going to throw PJ Tucker at him. Uh, I think this is an opportunity where they're, Philly might try to force the issue and get the ball out of Giannis's hands. So at the five and a half, I think I think this game should be relatively close, but I think it's going to be fast paced. So I like the five and a half, even at minus one fifty, and it's only available really at DraftKings right now. So I'd, I'm curious to see where it pops and how it pops on some of these other books and maybe I'll add to the position right now. I put like a quarter unit on it, but it's something that I'm probably going to add to if I see a little bit less juice or something like that in a different book. All right. I'll go ahead and hit you with a trend before we move on to the other game, which is I've dug into the home openers and talked a lot about that. One of the things I want to look at was, all right, let's imagine that home openers are largely built off of the idea of a preparation and a motivational standpoint. Who stands to impact that the most? And I was like, coaches. So let's just go ahead and look at the coaches. I looked at a number of them that have just done well. Like I basically tried to isolate the ones that have done well. And the ones that have done well have basically kicked ass. Surprisingly amongst those teams, first two games in a home opener as a favorite against the spread. This is also money line. Doc Rivers, 10 and two. Wow. So Wow. Probably because it's not the playoffs. Yeah, it's not a pressure <laughs> spot. Exactly. Low pressure <laughs> spot. Uh, so okay, got a good trend there. It's a short favorite at home in the home opener coming off a loss. I'll probably look into what the, the losses are as well. Follow me on Twitter at HB basketball. I'll probably um, add that into the analysis on the pick as well, as well as in the action app. All right. Let's talk about the fucking Lakers. <laughs> oh. Dude. Okay. They look like com- the biggest problem with the Tuesday night game was not that they lost. It's, it's not that the the whole Russ awkwardness thing. It's not that they obviously it's they got outclassed. Yeah. And they out got outclassed in a game where Anthony Davis looked good. Like the big th- like Russ had a good line. Like there were a lot of things that went well for the Lakers and they still got housed by a superior team in the Golden State Warriors. I'm a little more hesitant on this one. One of the reasons I'm okay with taking it because like I should be betting the Lakers here based off of all the home opener stuff because home opener dogs are gold. Like if you're a dog at home and you're opener, it's like exactly what you need to be. But because now I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this crowd's going to be 50 50 because I'm not an idiot and I've been in Los Angeles before, right? This could be the Clippers home opener. And if it was versus the Lakers, it'd be a heavy Lakers crowd. If part of the reason why the home dogs succeed is the other team's first experience with game day travel in regular season t- terms, then that's mitigated a little bit by the fact that the Clippers don't have to travel. Like there's no travel here, at least. It's comfortable confines, comfortable locker room. There's nothing here that's like weird about it. So I feel pretty good there. Sean, I was interested in your a little bit more specific cap involving the Lakers team total and LeBron's prop let's start with the team total play why do you like going for the team total prop here instead of one of the other plays on the board yeah just so i'm clear i like the the brawn under more than i like the team total i think that'll be my heavier play is on the player prop on the under 29 and a half for lebron but overall this is just comes down to like the just like the things you just said they looked really really bad i was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt that hey it's opening night they're in San Francisco. We're obviously playing the champs who are loaded and they didn't miss a beat. But Anthony Davis looked like old Anthony Davis. LeBron literally looked like 25 years old. He looked unstoppable. He looked Zion-like. 
from 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 Wednesday. So no, he looked he looked really good. Was doing his thing, and like you said, they got outclassed. They couldn't do anything, and I started to key in on some of this stuff against Kawhi. So I was looking at some numbers with LeBron with Kawhi on the floor. LeBron hasn't scored 30 with Kawhi on the floor since 2015 against Cleveland. In six games versus the Clippers with Kawhi, LeBron's averaged 21.4 points per game with a low of 16. The other thing about the game overall, we heard LeBron in the in, in the post-game presser talking about the roster, that we don't have shooters, we don't have these guys. And this reminds me of previous stuff that LeBron has said. And then I've seen him come out in games and really trying to get his teammates involved and try to get those guys going. I think opening night against the champs on the road, he knew he was going to have to, you know, go into, he was going to have to go into LeBron mode and score 30 plus for them to have a shot. I think this is one of those spots where he knows that, but it may be, a situation where he tries to get a lot of other people involved. I also think Russell Westbrook is going to see a lot less of, of PG and Kawhi and, and the, he'll try to exploit that as much as he can, hopefully going to the basket and not taking jump shots. That's why I lean LeBron to go under 29 and a half. I think that's too big of a number in game two against the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge number here. Like I'm not as strong of a prop better. I can admit that sure. I'm trying to get better at it. I think, where I kind of get to on LeBron is I don't really know how to predict what he's going to do because yeah. he'll also, I'll say this, like he'll also have games where it's like, he starts out and you might, cause this happens with me a lot where I get the, the cap to start the game. Right. And then the adjustments come right. Where it's like, yeah. he starts off and he's like, I'm going to defer. I'm going to get everybody else going. Oh, okay. Well, everyone else sucks on this team. So I guess I'm just going to have to freight train this and just get to the rack, you know, over and over and over again. I don't expect Kawhi to guard him until late in the fourth. That's usually the, been the strategy with Kawhi is yeah. he prefers to wait and then shut him down. He's like, why would I bother working? Like all that matters is like, I work it, yeah, five minutes. Joe, you're also on this, on the Clippers here at minus five and a half. I'm on it as well in this spot. I was lucky enough to grab it at four. Want all numbers to win. That's our official platform on, on buckets. <laughs> all, all numbers. We want all numbers. Look, I, I still like this just because, when I start to think about what this home court probably looks like, it's probably going to overestimate the Lakers home court a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then if I just kind of think about this in a, in the context of what the gap is between a power rating of these two teams, I think it's pretty wide. Why do you, why are you on the Clippers in this spot? So part of this is that I think that what the Clippers can do is they can switch everything. And I think that that's important for a game like this particularly because number one, like we saw the Lakers decide to play Anthony Davis at the five. Uh, so uh, there's not really going to necessarily be a size advantage here because like the Clippers, they really only run Zubac and then they have Covington is like the backup center. So if the Lakers are going to play small, I think it actually kind of goes into what the Clippers do a little bit better. And I think the, and the Clippers do it better than the Lakers. All their guys can switch everything. They can shoot, they can pass, they can facilitate, nobody's selfish. And I think that that's, important especially in this type of matchup additionally i'm not going to reiterate everything you said about the home court but i don't i think the trap the fact there's no travel is significant and we just saw the lakers just get absolutely destroyed and one of the things that was problematic for me for los angeles was they gave up 44 percent of the shots to golden state from three-point range oh boy. and that's a lot that's way too many especially when you don't shoot threes well 
And the Clippers do shoot threes very well. They had, I think last season, they had like seven or eight guys shooting at least 38%. And now you're going to add in Kawhi and Paul George healthy after, like presumably healthy after a full off season of recovering, getting used to this team, et cetera. I like this team. I like their depth. And I wish I grabbed a better number, but I think that the five and a half is still okay. You're getting it under two possessions. You're getting it's in that free throw range. And honestly, the way the Lakers looked in game one, I'd be surprised if we are seeing free throws at the end of this game. They're insanely deep. Like, I don't, I don't know what, what are the Lakers going to do against the Clippers second unit? Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I like, I, they're going to get just, they're going to get run off the floor. Right. So that's the really interesting piece. Like LeBron can't play 48. Like AD can't play 48 when those guys come off the floor and they have to deal with whole. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see John Wall, but that second unit for the Clippers it should, should destroy the Lakers second unit. And that's what I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah. I'm fully on board with the Clippers here. I just think that there is a good spot. And honestly, one of the, like this, the, it's kind of like a sneaky prop that I like for them. I'm looking at Zubak's line because I think he might have to play. At least he might have to play at least like decent minutes. So you can get his double double. It's like plus 250. And I think it's worth like a little bit of sprinkle considering his points and rebounds lines are at like eight and a half each. So with a guy like him, I don't want to play an eight and a half point line because he probably needs five baskets. So I'd rather take the 10 and then hope he gets like an extra rebound there for basically double the odds. There's still, I, I keep kind of coming back to this where it's like, I don't necessarily love it when the, because the Sixers game felt this way the other night where it's like, it felt very easy. Now yeah. I'll also say this Pelicans versus the Nets felt very, very easy. Yeah. And yeah. that was supremely easy. And we're talking about kind of a relative team here right like superstar laden oh but they're so good look at these top two guys and it's like yeah but the other team's just gonna smash them because the rest of the team's not very good like i've, I've already yes. got it I'll, I'll say this my power rating right now is is entirely built it, not entirely it's taking last year's number and then heavy adjustments based off of personnel with me doing like manual adjustments on them based off of who they change how they've looked those type of things so like the power rating right now is a little messy but i will say like at six if this had six by the time you listen to this I would start being real cautious with it. I think that you got to be, you need to be on, and not, it's not necessarily that there's a huge difference between six and five in terms of the NBA. We don't have key numbers. I'm just telling you that that full point does matter. At that point, I think you've chased too much steam. Like yeah. that to me is where you've got to be careful at it. I think this could be a good game to live bet. Honestly, like if the Lakers do get off to a hot start, this is like, like you were kind of alluding to Sean, the Clippers depth, I think could shine through. So, I mean, if the Lakers get off to a hot start and you see them up, I don't know, maybe like 10 or something in the first quarter, and you're going to get this under a possession or maybe the Clippers at plus money, which would be great. That's going to be a spot I'm going to be jumping all over, I think, uh, especially if it's early, just based on shot variance. Like if the Clippers aren't making a couple shots and they have so many guys. If somebody's cold, they don't even need to continue running them out there. Like they can pick somebody else to have a better shooting night. So I think I might be looking to live bet this game too. Like if you miss out on maybe one of these better lines. All right. So to wrap up, we've got Joe likes Sixers minus three and a half, Clippers minus five and a half, Giannis over five and a half assists. Sean likes the Lakers team total under 109 and a half. And LeBron, more importantly, his best bet is LeBron under 29 and a half points. Boy, that line is high. Like that's just, yeah. that's a, it's a big number. That's a big number for an old man. 
That's a big number. As a fellow old person, I am offended <laughs> at these unrealistic expectations. <laughs> so we'll see what the what the king does tomorrow night. All right, let's go wrap it up for Buck. As we'll be back next week. Usually we'll have a Friday big picture futures roundtable with me and, and Brandon Anderson. We're not doing this week because it's been two days and Brandon and I are not going to fire off the hot takes until next week and overreact to only a week of games as opposed to two. But we will be back with you on Monday with a weekend recap as well as a look at the early futures markets. That's right. I'm going to be betting futures on Monday. That's a thing I'm going to do. What could possibly go wrong? Until next time, follow all of us in the Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. Give us those five-star reviews. So important to help us out. The show is getting lots of momentum. We're glad to have folks like Sean on board. Glad to have Joe with us. Going to go ahead and, and get out of here. But thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys again next week. Let's get buckets. <laughs> <laughs>